This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello and welcome to Six Figure Dog Business. I am your host, Ty Brown of TyTheDogGuy.com. And this is the show where we help you start or grow your dog-related business to a healthy six-figure per year or more profit. I haven't had an episode in quite some time, and I'm going to explain why, and we're going to get into what you need to do in 2020 if you want to survive and thrive. So stick with us. We're going to be talking about 2021 business tips. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com All right, guys, we're back, and um, boy, it's been a while since I've done an episode, and it's been a while since I've done an episode because, man, did my life go crazy in 2020 like I think a lot of other people did. Let me give you a brief recap, and I kind of to explain you know, what's been going on and, and what we've been doing in business, and uh, hopefully you can take some stuff out of it. I think you will, and, and frankly, it's you know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see behind kind of the, the curtain of, of the type of business that we run. But uh, so in 2019, December of 2019, we decided as a family that we were going to move to London. We uh, had an idea for how we wanted to grow our business in a like in a metropolitan area, like a large metropolitan area. We had the idea of like finding a large metropolitan area and putting in, you know, five or six different locations of our dog training business. And we said, what cooler place to do that than London, right? I mean, uh, you know, go out of country. So we did all the things that you got to do. We got plane tickets, of course. We sold a bunch of stuff. We bought visa or bought visas. We uh, applied and purchased visas, meaning, you know, the permission to go live and start a business in, in, in England. And we're getting ready to go. And then do, 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 February, we started hearing about COVID. Didn't even think that that would have anything to do with us. Like, oh yeah, that's not going to be a big deal. March, we start hearing more about COVID and March 15th or whatever it was, the world shut down and boy, oh boy, everything shut down. For those that don't know at the time, you know, March 15th, uh, we had our training business consisted of a location in Salt Lake City, Utah. And when I say location, not a physical location, but we've got, you know, I think we had six or seven trainers working for us and they work out of their home or they go to the client's home, stuff like that. And then we had a similar situation with uh, a trainer in Charleston, just one trainer in Charleston, one trainer in Savannah, Georgia, and one trainer in Nashville, Tennessee. So four locations, essentially, three of them are just one person locations with one being a bigger one. 
And from about March 15th to April 1st or something like that, there was nothing. We had people canceling left and right. And I kid you not, like out the window went the idea of London. You know, the rent, <laughs> the, the rent we were looking to pay for an apartment in London was like five, $6,000. And suddenly like all of our revenue disappeared. And I'm, we're like, there's no way we're moving to London. Sure enough, like our visas at this point, you know, they got rejected or denied or whatever. So we couldn't even move to London. And literally, I'm not kidding. I was starting to make plans to like flee to Mexico. I'm not joking. Cause I'm like, if the world falls apart and we have no money and our business is gone, well, I mean, we've got, we have, you know, we've got some savings. And so I said, well, where are those savings going to last the longest until the world pulls out of this or whatever, you know, we can figure out what we want to do with our life. And I was seriously thinking about moving to Mexico. I speak Spanish. I love Mexico. And I'm like, yeah, we can get, you know, got in the countryside, find a nice little house to rent for 900 bucks a month. Not a little house, you know, a good size house. You know, we've got four kids, so we need a decent size house. And let's go live in Mexico and let's ride this out. That's kind of how my mind often works. My mind often goes to really weird places pretty quick. I don't have a really high tolerance for stress. And so there we were in April and it was, you know, towards the end of April and I'm not tracking anything at this point and I'm getting stressed. I'm getting more stressed. I'm getting more stressed. And then it was around this time, it was towards the end of April. I want to say third or fourth week of April that I said something like to my office manager and I said something about like moving to Mexico and I was kind of chuckling about it. And she's like, yeah, that's funny. But you know, April's been our biggest April ever. Right. And I was like, what? My finger wasn't on the pulse like it should have been because I was kind of in denial. You know, <laughs> I was in avoidance behavior like a lot of dogs go into. Right. I was in this avoidance behavior because I was freaking out. And so I wasn't looking at my numbers and she brought it up to me like, yeah, this is going to be a huge month for us. This is one of our biggest months ever. And I was shocked. I had no idea. And right there, I turned around, like mentally turned around and said, all right, we're going to do this. I don't know what's going to happen with COVID, but we're going to make this work. No more, no more entertaining, stupid thoughts of running away to Mexico. <laughs> Although I love Mexico and I still kind of want to live there. So what are we going to do? Because at the time we were living in Charleston, we were planning on, you know, we had been planning. August was when we had our plane tickets purchased. We had been planning to move to London in August. So my family didn't want to stay in Charleston. They didn't like it as much as I did. I love it there, by the way. Any Charleston folks, I love the beach. I love the forest. I love the food. I love the weather. I love it all. But my family didn't love it. And so we were still kind of in the middle of this, like, okay, well, where are we going to go? And we entertained a bunch of ideas. And ultimately, my it was my wife's idea. Let's move to the Bay Area, Bay Area, California. I'm from the Bay Area. Uh, that's where I grew up. Never have done business here. Like this is where I started learning training. I did, I apprenticed for a dog trainer while I was in high school, but had no contacts here, nothing like that. But my parents live here. I've got a brother and his family that live here. And so we moved here. When I say here, I'm talking about the Bay Area. And so come May, I think we moved to the Bay Area. And we still had this idea for starting a new type of business. And I'll probably do a podcast on what I'm talking about here at another point, but on, on a different way to offer dog training. Um, and we still had that idea. And we said, well, the Bay Area is a large metro. It's, you know, if you take in the whole Bay Area, there's like 8 million people. So we're talking huge metro. 
economically, you know, it's good. You know, the it's Silicon Valley is here. Although since we've moved here, like Tesla says they're going to leave and Hewlett Packard says they're going to leave and Oracle says they're going to leave. And so who knows how good the economy is going to be for that long. But anyways, we thought, yeah, let's, you know, I've got roots here. Let's come back here, start a business, start our idea here in, in the Bay Area. And so that was in end of May that we moved back here to California and started looking for a facility, found a facility and, you know, signed papers and, you know, on a lease. And I think we opened, we started running ads the end of July and brought on our first client, like, I don't remember, like August 1st, like around that August 1st, 2nd, 3rd, some, the very beginning of August. So basically the very beginning of August, we opened for business. So that was Today is January 4th, 2021, so August to September, October, November, December. That was five months ago. So five months ago, we we opened for business here in California. It just so happens we opened about a week after their second shutdown. There's been a third shutdown, and looking back, I'm like, what were we thinking? (laughs) Why did we take on a huge lease? You know, $16,000 down payment, you know, $5,000 a month. Why did we take on this huge lease, you know, bring on three new employees? Why did we do that? in the middle anyways. Um, but we did. And so it's worked really well. I'm not going to lie and say it's been gangbusters because we're not hitting our numbers yet. And we're not hitting our numbers yet for a variety of reasons. A lot of it has been environmental, meaning like, oh shoot, it was maybe two weeks ago. It was before Christmas, two, three weeks ago, we got a text. Everybody in the area got a text from the state of California saying, shelter in place, do not leave your homes. And like, as that text come out, I check our email and I see like cancellation, cancellation, can- people canceling their evaluations at our training center. So people that are already signed up for training, they kept coming in for training. They didn't seem to have an issue, but people who hadn't bought training yet, they just started canceling in mass. You know, there was tons of people canceling. So that happened. There was a ton of heavy wildfires at the beginning of us you know, opening up. So like August, September, there's all these wildfires and people are getting displaced from their homes. And we had, you know, people signing up for evals. And then it turns out that, uh, you know, they're firefighters and they had to go or they had to evacuate their homes. And so we have had multiple shutdowns. We've had wildfires that's gotten in the way. COVID in general has gotten in the way. I've noticed that our other locations, people aren't quite as concerned about COVID where here in California, they are concerned about COVID. And so various things have kind of come about, which have made it such that we're not hitting our goals. We are typically about 25 to 30% off of our goals. Now, the good thing is when we hit our goals, we're going to need about five, we're going to need about two more staff members. And so while we're not hitting our goals, we are already profitable. As of like month two, we were already profitable without hitting our goals because we're not at you know, I'm getting it done with less ad costs than I was expecting. We have less overhead with uh, payroll because we're not fully, fully staffed out yet. So even though we're about 25, 30% off of where we want to be because of COVID and wildfires and shutdowns and economy and Christmas, you know, (laughs) all sorts of things, we are still profitable, which to me is awesome. Awesome that we can start a business in maybe the worst business climate that I've ever seen in my 40 years of life and become profitable right away. And so that is where my company is right now. So we have a location in California that's doing good. We have our location in Salt Lake City that's doing amazing. We have our location in Savannah, Georgia that's doing amazing and our location in Nashville that's doing amazing and a location in Charleston that's doing okay. 
And so what I have noticed, because I've got now locations in five different spots, in addition to coaching people all across North America, is regionality is a thing. So Charleston is two hours away from Savannah, Georgia. Savannah, Georgia, we're killing it. Charleston, the exact same advertising, the exact same everything, the exact same process, the exact same program, everything the same. We're just doing okay. You know, we're not where we want to be and everything's the exact same as two hours away. Everything's the exact same as six hours away in Nashville. We're doing the exact same things, but just Charleston isn't doing as well. There was a a big stretch in, I want to say April, May, where I had some clients that I was consulting with in New York City who were dying. Like we could not get our advertisements to work. You know, we were doing advertisements all over the country that were working just fine and we could not get them to work in New York City. And so, so regionality has definitely been a thing, you know, some areas are hit harder than others and there's just like a general tone, you know, like, um, so we drove in May in kind of the height of every, of lockdowns and stuff. We drove from South Carolina to California in our move and you could kind of like, there's a tone with everywhere you go. Certain areas, things were much more dire. Other areas, people seemed okay. They weren't, you know, super stressed. And so there's kind of a tone to certain regions and that seems to affect. And so New York City, I think, I don't know this, I haven't looked at the numbers, but I think was the hardest hit area anywhere in the US, you know, and it was especially, it was right at the beginning where people were at their biggest worry. And, and so I think that's why we had such a hard time getting things to work in New York City at that point. Whereas oddly enough, you know, I was, you know, at the same time was coaching somebody upstate in the Albany area who was doing really well, got booked out months in advance, coaching somebody else in the Poughkeepsie area of New York. So just maybe like two hours away from the city and they've been killing it, you know, having their best year ever. And so it, you know, and like I say, in our case, you know, Charleston and then two hours away, Savannah. So I'm finding that just couple hours away from each other can make a big, big difference. I'm finding here in the Bay Area, we're doing well, whereas in Southern California, I know a lot of trainers are really, really struggling. And so same state, just, you know, several hours away from each other, but way different kind of. So regionality has a lot to do with certain things. I've also seen outside of people that I coach, I've just been talking with business owners all over the country, and there's a lot that have been doing really well. Now, the word of caution that I'm trying to give them is they're doing really well thanks to nothing that they're doing. What I mean by that is people started staying at home, they started getting more dogs, and the dogs that they did have started annoying them more because they were at home more. And so suddenly demand for dog training went through the roof. And if you were in an area where there was high demand and the economy was doing okay, you know, still like doing, you know, there's still plenty of people with jobs, you didn't have to change a thing and you got busy. And so a lot of people are riding this tidal wave right now, you know, into January saying, awesome, 2020 was great. You know, you know, they're feeling bad, obviously, for the folks that have been suffering and losing their businesses, but they are happy for themselves. And I'm trying to get a lot of these folks to realize, like, look, what happens? We've got a recession coming, obviously. We're probably in one right now. I don't even know. But we've got an economic dip coming. You must be finding new ways to you know, to get clients. I'm going to talk about that here in a second, because what I want to do here is take a break. And when I come back, I want to talk about what you need to be doing in 2021, according to me, my opinions, and hopefully, uh, hopefully you agree. So stay with me. I'm going to come right back. For those fortunate to have experienced the deep bond and unconditional love of a companion animal, 
The death that follows can be one of the most difficult and misunderstood losses to go through. Many times, this devastating loss goes unrecognized and trivialized by family and friends, leaving grieving pet parents struggling to find healthy ways to cope with the loss. In And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal for healing the loss of a pet, Dr. Julianne Corbin calls attention to the difficulties unique to the loss of a beloved pet and provides an interactive and compassionate guide to help you process your loss and work towards coming to a place of peace and healing. For those interested in journal therapy and looking for a professionally written and compassionate resource to help understand and reconcile the grief associated with the loss of your pet, this book is for you. And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal by Julianne Corbin is now available for purchase on Amazon and other major book retailers. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. All right, I'm back. So we're talking what you need to do in 2021 to win. And it seems like it's very polarized right now. So what I mean by that is I don't know a whole lot of trainers that are doing about the same as they've always done. I know trainers that are up and I know trainers that are down and I do not see a whole lot of status quo. And so I want to talk to both of you. If you're a down trainer, you obviously need to, you want to come up. And if you're an up trainer, you want to stay up. And like I say, unless you make some changes, up trainers, (laughs) I guess that's the term I'm going to start using. Unless you make some changes, it is unlikely that you're going to stay up. Because a lot of you guys have been making extra money, extra revenue by no virtue of any skill set that you're bringing to the table other than there happens to be a whole lot more demand and you happen to exist in that area. Not trying to poo-poo on what you're doing, not trying to say that you're not great, not at all. But it's just simple economics that when demand goes through the roof and there's enough people who can, and and the supply stays the same, essentially. It's not like a whole bunch of new dog trainers entered the market. When demand goes through the roof and supply stays the same, and in some cases goes down because people voluntarily shut down or didn't know what they were doing with business at all and had to go out of business. And so higher demand, similar supply or lower supply, you don't have to do a darn thing. You're going to make extra money. So I've got some bullet points here on things I want to talk about on if you're going to win in 2021, what you need to do. First thing I want to talk about is can you differentiate? This is a big one. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, and I'm going to talk about it again. I'm going to be talking about it 40 years from now when I finally retire from this industry. Can you differentiate? What I mean by that is people can go anywhere to buy five sessions of dog training. People can go anywhere to buy a dog walk. People can go anywhere to buy dog grooming. They can go anywhere to buy those things. What is the one thing that they can come to you for? What is the one special process that you have? What is the one, what is the thing that they can come to you for? And they can't go to anybody else to get it. That's what you need to be thinking about. When I talk about this, oftentimes dog trainers, dog walkers, pet sitters are like, well, one of two things. One thing is like, I can't think of anything. I do a lot of similar stuff. Or they're like, oh, well, here's what's different. I have this certification. So they either can't figure out what to differentiate or the thing that they think is a differentiator is not. No one cares about your certification, for example. No one cares that you're registered with the whatever organization for dog walkers or dog trainers or pet sitters or whatever. No one cares. That's not a differentiator. The only differentiator that matters is what is different about you that makes your service or product 
something that outshines other options. And you always have to remember the other options are not just your, your direct competitors. So if you're a dog trainer, your competitors are other dog trainers, of course, but your competitors also happen to be thunder shirts and your competitors also happen to be medication from the vet's office. And your competitors also happen to be doing nothing. That is always the biggest competition that dog trainers face is nothing. <laughs> Meaning they're deciding between you or spending no money and doing not a thing and just living with the problem that they have. Like I say, that's your biggest competitor. And so how do you differentiate from your competition? What are the things that you're doing? And like I say, if you're in a very commoditized industry where everyone's doing something similar, then you need to come up with a process and you need to define the results better. If you're just a dog walker, stop being just a dog walker and start being somebody who specializes in helping latchkey dogs. <laughs> and there's not a lot of those anymore. A lot of people working from home, but you know, someone that specializes in helping dogs who are destructive, stop being destructive with your walks. If you're a dog trainer, stop being the guy that offers five sessions or two weeks or six group classes or whatever, and start being the guy that offers this type of result that you're able to completely define. But like I say, you have to start thinking of how you can differentiate because in a coming economic crisis where people are forced to be much more aware and cognizant of where their dollars and cents are going, their dollars and cents will continue coming to us in the pet industry. The pet industry usually weathers recessions pretty okay. And so those dollars will still keep coming our way, but they're going to be much more selective with where those dollars are going. And the person who can differentiate better is the one that's going to get a higher share of those dollars. Always. But especially when people are pinching pennies. Especially when people are pinching pennies. When the economy's good and everybody's flush, they're more willing to take a chance. And hey, if this dog trainer doesn't work, we can go to another one. And, you know, losing a thousand bucks, they don't want to do that, but it's not the end of the world. Whereas if we start coming into some even worse economic times and people are pinching pennies, they have to make the right choice the first time. There is no room for error in their mind, and so they've got to make the right choice. So what messaging are you doing? How are you different is critical. Number two, are you systematized? And I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about systems for onboarding new clients. I'm talking about systems for doing your bookkeeping. I'm talking about systems for customer service and, and how you respond to certain emails and how you respond to inscripting for your, you know, your, for your phone customer service and your sales processes. Are those systematized? Is everything systematized? And I'll tell you right now, it's not because <laughs> no one's is like, this is, I've come to realize this is an ongoing thing that we as business owners do is we can't, you know, forever. No one's ever got the perfect systems that they can just set it and forget it forever. You know, there's always new ways that we can improve our systems. And so I'm not, I'm not the guy sitting here and saying my systems are perfect and they're all done. I'm constantly trying to figure out new systems that we need to do, but are you systematized with everything? And this is important if you're that one person business or you've got 50 employees systems are so critical because, I mean, for a lot of reasons, right? Like ones that you already know, like it makes your life easier and blah, blah, blah. And it makes it easier to hire new people and it makes it easier to all that good stuff. But the main thing that it does when it, with an economic downturn is you need to find efficiencies. You have to find efficiencies. Efficiencies allow you to do a couple of things. They allow you to either work the same and make more money, or they allow you to work less and make the same. Let me repeat that. If you can find new efficiencies in how you do everything, you can work the same amount of time and make more money, or you can work less time and make the same amount of money. And the reason why is, you know, let's say you're, uh, let me talk to the dog trainers for a second. Let's say a new client 
let's say it's a five session program and so we're talking five hours and you've got travel time. You got to figure everything that goes into it. You've got onboarding, you've got sales, you've got administrative, you've got emails back and forth, you've got text messages. And so it's not five hours to fulfill training. It's going to be, I don't know, 10 hours, let's say 10 hours. So if it's taking you 10 hours to fulfill one client, well, if you get a 10% increase on your efficiency, so now it's taking nine hours to fulfill one client, you just got 10% of your time back. So if 10% of your time back means that you can take on more clients. And so you can, like I say, you can still keep working the same amount of hours, but now you're fulfilling more clients. And so the same amount of hours will, will bring you more money. Or let's say you're in an area that's a little bit more depressed and isn't, the economy's not doing as well. You could work less hours and make the same amount of money. And then you could devote more time to building out your systems and things like that. But if you can find efficiencies you know, 10% less time means, you know, maybe you don't fill it with new clients. Maybe you just keep making the same amount of money, but you've got 10% less effort in order to get there. And like I say, this starts to become incredibly important when you're building a team, but also, of course, you know, very important if you're just a one person, one person show, because any efficiencies that you build in mean either more money for the same amount of work or the same money for less amount of work. And both of those are critical if we're going to go into a time, you know, where, the economy is is down. Number three, do you have processes for customer acquisition? So that's a fancy way of saying, can you go get a client whenever you want? Or are you at the mercy of waiting for a referral to come in? Are you at the mercy of hoping that your SEO gets better this month? Stuff like that. Are you at the mercy of external forces? Or do you know how to run an ad that will bring you a lead that you can put into your sales pipeline that you can nurture all the way to a sale? If you do not have a customer acquisition system, this is why I believe, because I've been looking at a lot of dog training companies that have been going out of business or really struggling, many of them who are even doing quite well before, I believe the reason why is ultimately they were riding a wave. They were riding, well, probably a couple waves. One, we've had an improving, increasing economy for about 10 years. And so there's a lot of folks that were just riding that wave. They didn't have to do a darn thing. The economy just kept getting better and better over the last 10 years. Nothing political here because there's two presidents involved with what I'm saying. So don't take anything political out of that. But for 10 years, the economy has been growing. And so a lot of people have been riding that wave. And with that wave came happy customers. You know, they did a good job and they got happy customers. Maybe they're putting out content, you know, on Facebook or YouTube. And so they're riding these waves. And then when the time comes that those waves are slowing down because the economy is different and people are referring less and people aren't seeing their friends as much and so they're not referring as much and people aren't going to the vet as much so they're not getting as many referrals and they're not going to the pet store as much so they're not, and those waves start coming to a halt, do these people know how to advertise so that they can just go pick up a client whenever they want profitably? And the answer is no. Most dog businesses do not have a way to profitably, whenever they want, run ads or run campaigns, whether it's online, offline, they do not have the ability to go get a client whenever they want. And so they become at the mercy of economies. They become at the mercy of referrals. They become at the mercy of a lot of things that they have no control over. And that's a scary place to be. And if you're in that place or have been in that place, or you can just sympathize with that, even though maybe you're doing great right now, but you realize, oh, this is a hole in what, I've, what I'm doing, start thinking about how you can create systems, how you can learn advertising so that whenever you want, you can go get a client. I'll give you an example. Like here in, um, in California, 
in, uh, I haven't counted recently, but when we were four months in, we had had 150 new clients. Four months in, 150 new clients. Chew on that for a second, because that's not normal for most dog training companies. Now, four months in, 150 new clients, and we had never been in the area. We had no veterinarian referrals. We had no client referrals. We had no client testimonials from the area. We had nothing. We, you know, there was no walk-in traffic. Our, our building is in some like industrial park. You know, nobody's driving by and saying, oh, dog trainer. We had nothing. The only thing we had was Facebook ads and YouTube ads. And we've actually even eliminated the YouTube ads and are just doing Facebook ads now. That's it. So we were able to go out and profitably get customers whenever we wanted. And, you know, to the tune of, like I say, about 150 customers in our first four months. And again, that's off of where I want to be. That's about 20, 30% off of where I want to be. But we were able to do that because we have systems for customer acquisition, meaning we know how to advertise. Do you know how to advertise? Number one, do you know how to advertise profitably? Number two, if the answer is no to both of those or one of those, it's time to start learning how to do that. Now is the time instead of, you know, when all the stimulus money dries up and instead of, you know, when we're neck deep in a recession, that's not the time to learn. The time right now is to learn. And then number four, the last thing I want to say is look at your cash flow. I am not an accountant. I'm not a bookkeeper. This is the weakest part of me running a business is numbers and stuff like that. I am not an accountant, so I'm not going to pretend to be. All I'm going to do is to finish up this episode is I'm going to give you a really good resource that we started using that has made a big difference in the amount of money that stays in our pocket. And it's a book called Profit First. Well, Google it. It's Profit First dash something, something, something. But the gist is it's Profit First. And it's a very interesting way of looking at your cash flow, whether you're a one-person business or you've got a team. It's a very interesting way of looking at your cash flow. But I would really recommend that you do it that you look into it and you start looking at how to manage your cash flow better so that you've got cash reserves, so that you've got money to do the things that you need to do. So you've got money for customer acquisition. So you've got money for expansion. So you've got money for emergencies, whatever the case might be. So those four things, can you differentiate? Are you systematized? Do you have customer acquisition down pat and look at your cash flow and improve how your, how your cash is moving around in your accounts? All right. Got it all out in just a little bit over a half hour here. So want to say thanks for listening. I'm going to be better in 2021 about doing episodes. I really love doing episodes, but with starting the new business here in California and a cross-country move and everything that came with COVID and all that stuff, I think it's been six months since I've done my last one or, five, or seven months since I've done my last one. But I'm going to do better in 2021. That's my uh, New Year's resolution to you because these are fun. I, uh, a lot of people tell me they really like them. If you do, make sure to reach out to me and, and tell me the things that you are hoping I can talk about. Or maybe we can even talk on here. If you, if you want if you want to do a soundboard session where we go through part of your business, let me know. Thanks for listening. I recommend, oh yeah, while you're here, go hit PetLifeRadio.com. That's where this, I don't know where you're listening to this podcast. It might be on Stitcher or Pet Life Radio. It could be anywhere, but make sure to go over to PetLifeRadio.com to listen to all the other episodes of this show, Six Figure Dog Business. And while you're there, listen to all the other great shows. There's a ton of cool shows on PetLifeRadio.com. And then when you want to talk to me, head over to TieTheDogGuy.com and uh, say, Ty, I've got money burning a hole in my pocket. Let me give it to you so that you can consult with me on how to grow my business. So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.